This is Old Movies for Young Stoners, the podcast that tells you what to vape while watching weird shit on Tubi. If you're going to watch something, you might as well make it a classic. We have Millie DeCherico, co-author of the TCM Underground book, joining us today to help us work out our TCM Underground withdrawals, along with some weird-ass movies that put the cult in a cult. <laughs> First, we are unleashing the sex magic with a cavalcade of underground shorts from the 1950s and 60s by Kenneth Anger and Curtis Harrington, including The Wormwood Star and Inauguration of the Pleasure Dome. And Curtis Harrington sticks around with his first feature film, Night Tide from 1961, where a young Dennis Hopper falls in love with a sideshow mermaid who may be luring him to his death. And both of the filmmakers featured on this episode are gay. So consider this our accidental pride episode. Come at us all you want, haters. We'll just be here drinking Bud Light and blazing rainbow cake. <laughs> All right here on Old Movies for Young Stoners. back on old movies for young stoners before i introduce our special guest we've got a full house here today so let me get through the opening ceremonies real quick we've got Corey sklar your guide on the hollywood punk rock and goth graveyard tour hi and then we've got actor influencer and fashionista felina franklin that's me plus her dad animator and co-founder of six point harness studios greg franklin Hey, everybody. And I'm Bob Calhoun, author of The Murders That Made Us, A True Crime History of San Francisco. Our guest today is the former chief programmer of the TCM Underground and co-author of the book, TCM Underground, 50 Must-See Films from the World of Classic Cult and Late Night Cinema. She is also co-host of the excellent film podcast, I Saw What You Did, which spotlights unexpected thematic double features. If you like this show, you should definitely be listening to hers. Let's give a big old movies for young stoners. Welcome to Millie DeCherico. Hi, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. My goodness. <laughs> I used to be a ring announcer. It, it, it shows. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Millie, the, the theme of this episode was going to be TCM underground withdrawals because we're all going through it. But I didn't want this episode to be as topical as it is. And I just want to say that I think I speak for everyone here is that we're just really dismayed by the continued bloodletting at TCM by what's going on. And, you know, just to let you know how much the channel and, and your work on the channel for, for a few years there really means to all of us. Oh, thanks so much. Yes, I know there is a, a lot of news going on. And uh, yeah. So I, I appreciate hearing that. Thank you. But, you know, no matter what happens with TCM and what happened to the TCM Underground, you've written the book. You know, that book doesn't have to be streaming. No matter what happens to the Internet, what happens to digital, that book is on shelves in bookstores and libraries. There's a copy at my house. There's a copy I know at Greg's house. You know, this book will outlast 
all all <laughs> of cyberspace probably so you wrote the book yes. your name's on it i would say that book is one of the essential texts of cult movies now and and uh oh forever gosh. in forever in the canon and your work is just like really impacted all of us who love cult movies so thank you so much millie for everything oh my gosh thank you for saying that that's like i'm honored to hear anybody say that just because i was such a student of, of of cult movie books you know so i appreciate hearing that what are some that you loved uh you know coming up in in this world crazy world of of cinema so the big ones for me when i was like a teenager were the psychotronic guide to film mm-hmm. michael weldon's book and then there was a video hound series on cult movie books the cult movie guide, like video hounds cult movie guide i think that was probably maybe the actual first one i'd ever purchased and then the danny perry cult movie series those are like those three books and then the other two were huge for me oh yeah all formative right yeah and also psychotronic magazine which i used to buy at the this video store that i was uh, obsessed with when i was a I was like a teenager, but mostly in college. And um, so I'd go through the magazines too. Where did you grow up? Where did you grow up? What 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 video store was it? So I uh, grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, like right outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And I would have to um, drive down into the actual city of Atlanta to go to this video store called Blast Off Video. And it was like in, this, in the alleyway of this like kind of... Um, I would maybe call it like a St. Mark's Place type neighborhood in Atlanta called Little Five Points. And it was this like tiny little back alley video store. And it was pretty much all cult cult film. I mean, I think there wow. was some kind of indie stuff, like indie cinema. Um, like maybe kind of like the Hal Hartleys and the, you know, Wit Stillmans and that kind of stuff. But it was mostly psychotronic films like it was pretty special cool. so yeah cool this is before atlanta was little hollywood too everybody so this was, this was- <laughs> oh yeah this was like uh mid 90s maybe early to mid 90s so 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 like you you are you just coming right out of college and then working for turner because you know that's uh you're you're definitely you're so atlanta i'm kind of surprised by that but did you meet yeah. ted ever be- <laughs> I I I didn't but cuz I came in at in 2004 I think so I was kind of like he had just really like separated from the company but I didn't meet him but I I saw him uh he used to come to campus sometimes cool. and uh I everybody that I had worked with at that time worked for him in that era of the company and they were it would sounded magical I was always so jealous I wish I would have been there when Ted was there but um that's cool yeah so yeah I pretty much came right out of college so you know like undergrad so I I graduated from undergrad and then essentially was working in restaurants and retail and stuff and but then it was very quickly after that I finally you know got a job at uh, Turner so so uh, with the book, you and your uh, co-author, uh, Katoya Murray, but uh, how did you <laughs> choose what films to include? What was the selection process for this? So, um, you know, I, I really wanted the book to be rooted in the franchise because, you know, it was just something that I had programmed for so long. Um, because, you know, I think a lot of different ideas came to the table at the very beginning. Like we were like, 
you know, TCM has put out a lot of different types of books and, you know, some of them are kind of like the 50 greatest blank or, you know, they were kind of this like rank, rank thing. And we were like, not really interested in doing something like that just because we didn't want to sit around and like hear the social media fallout for like picking the wrong like thing. You know how it is when anybody makes a list, (laughs) you know, sight and sound. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. I was like, that is not going to be the rest of my life. I am not going to do the 50 greatest blank. I'm not doing it. So, um, you know, I just said, you, why don't we root it in the franchise? Cause it, had been, it had been on since 2006 at that. So at that time, it was about 15, 16 years of titles that had aired. And it was a large list. You know, once I compiled it, like it was over 400 titles of, you know, things that we could potentially write about. So we, um, as long as it had aired as part of Underground in some way, it was kind of up for grabs. And then, you know, we just kind of split the list. Like Toy and I went 25 and 25. I mean, I won't speak to what she picked, but for me, the titles that I chose to write about were, were just things that I think were either things that kind of spoke to me directly, like things that I kind of wanted to like fall into like a really heavy research hole and just kind of like explore. And then a lot of it was like, what has been kind of written about and what really hasn't like kind of picking things that were like less obvious choices maybe. And just kind of like trying to get a good spread of things, you know, like genres, directors, you know, I think, Toy and I are women, so we kind of, you know, leaned into kind of, you know, the filmmakers that, you know, really hadn't been talked about as much as some of the others within the kind of cult canon. So that was kind of my my process for picking it. I think hers is fairly similar, I would say. I remember watching this show back in the day. It was hosted by Jonathan Ross called the incredibly strange film series did you ever see that those those are the ones that you probably they've been talked about a lot you know like the the jackie chans the 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 john waters the russ meyer yeah doris wishman ted v michaels uh you know uh uh type of stuff and they never talk about curtis harrington um in in any of those things and i have to say that's a big uh blind spot in my sort of cult movie knowledge that um i'm very uh interested in and very grateful that you've kind of brought into the surface i know that a lot of these showed on uh on on underground as well yeah and you know part of i think too what sort of organically happened because we were uh, basing the book on the franchise is that it mm-hmm. was essentially the films that had aired on the network, meaning films that were available to air on television, mm-hmm. right? So, because a lot of people will ask questions like, oh, how come there's not more kind of international stuff and you know that kind of thing? I'm like, well, you know, because of the TV rights of it. So, you know, like with the Doris Wishman films, for example, like it would have been fun to kind of write about her, but you know, a lot of her films, you know, at the time that I was programming Underground, I mean, that changed, obviously, towards the end of it, uh, because Agfa put out those discs, but it was, um, they were hard to get. And also, there was a lot of content, I think, that prevented some of these things from airing. Yeah, with Curtis Harrington, I think that that was kind of a thing where I was certainly interested in him. And I had was reading a lot about him, because I was living in LA at the time that I started writing the book. And, um, 
you know, as we'll probably talk about in this episode, there's a lot of ties to this whole scene. You yeah, know? let's let's save that for we're going to have a hole here yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if we get I'm too sure. far into that. Um, but I got fascinated with everything and I just knew that he was a kind of, you know, tangentially related to it. But then mm-hmm. also a lot of his films were had aired, you know, on kind of classic movie channels because he had done you know, like kind of like what's the matter with Helen and that kind of stuff, which, you know, sometimes airs on TCM, normal TCM. So he's kind of that kind of weird, like crossover, you know? Uh, But I do think as a, like a cult filmmaker, yeah, I think it's kind of a shame that he hadn't been written about a lot. Great discovery. Yeah. I read, I dug up my monster movie boxes and read the interview with him from psychotronic from the nineties. And Mm -hmm. Now that I'm doing this podcast, I'm so glad I saved all of those monster movie mags and cult movie mags because it comes up. I'm like, oh, I, I think there's an interview with him there. So, yeah. I- yeah. To that point, I know you just talked about the incredibly strange, you know, series, but it's like that used to like there is just so much gold in those old interviews when in you know, in those books and magazines. And it's like. I mean, are any of them even online? Like they're not, you know, archived. So it's like really when you when you keep those things, you're keeping, you know, stories of films and filmmakers. So I keep them all too for that. And uh, I know Felina is a big fan of Shake Hands with Danger. And so what what went into program? Yeah, what went into programming the shorts, you know, because the shorts and all those anti-drug films and all that other really cool stuff is some of the stuff that we are missing big time on on TCM now. Oh, my God. So (laughs) sorry. Just, oh, my God. Uh, Miami Connection, yeah. uh, all of those. Uh, I just, uh, I love them so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm such yeah. a big fan. Oh, you're so sweet. I, uh, I love that you love shake hands with danger. That's like a, such a, <laughs> that's such a good, a good one to be obsessed with. But so my, you know, my whole thing about the shorts was that I think that like, I really took the opportunity to kind of program it as a block of time. So as opposed to kind of individual movies, I would have loved to have done more. I got to be honest, but you know, it was kind of the thing where if it was, you know, my choice, uh, uh, you know, entirely, I would have, it would have been like night flight or something like just kind of like a block of time. Yes. That had films, weird, a mixtape, a mixtape. Absolutely. Right. Trailers, you know, so it would have been like a whole curated thing. I can see that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so that's what I was kind of trying to do with the shorts. And then I knew um, Rick Prelinger, who I don't know if, if if y'all know who he is, but like an incredible archivist out of San Francisco. You know, he has been doing the Prelinger archives over at the Internet Archive forever. And, you know, I knew that he had a collection of educational shorts that were kind of just like up on his website. And um, I was like, what if I bought some of those, (laughs) you know, like, what if I just like picked like 50 of them and uh, then we could kind of toss them in between the films and after the films. And so that's kind of how that got started is just kind of going through, you know, old like industrial educational films because that was for me like when i was growing up as a cult movie fan that was part of the world of like you know weird kind of like classroom scare films that kind of stuff 
So, because oh, yeah. those are like psychotronic in and of themselves, just like weird things, mm, like yes. especially about drugs and like all the LSD stuff. And uh, um, so, yeah. And then it just kind of like over the years, I think they were just fun and people just loved them and would record them. And so that made me very happy. It's like a crate digging kind of thing. Like what, God, Felina, what was that one that we watched where there was a ticking clock that was like oh my taunting God. I was just thinking the about that one. It, it, is it like time out for trouble? Is that yeah. what it's called? Yes! Oh, yeah. Yes! We love yeah. that one. We showed yeah. that to uh-huh. my grandmother. We showed that to my grandmother and she said, that's sick. <laughs> that's funny she didn't mean it in the good way no yeah no no, no not, not the newer nomenclature it was no. more like the wally george version of yeah. sick that's sick <laughs> well i saw it and i was like that's sick <laughs> I, I mean even like the kind of more the big studio shorts that TCM just shows. I mean, that's that's the thing that we might lose here if uh, if um, Discovery gets its way with this station. Because I love those strange, like they're like Nostradamus World War II propaganda movies that just will be on at random times when TCM has twenty minutes of of filler to you know time to fill in between features. And those things are just bizarre because there's these shorts about Nostradamus and they're MGM and they they they're heavy on the narration <laughs> and you know Nostradamus <laughs> predicted. And then at the end of it, it's just this kind of Nostradamus what if thing. But at the end, like but Nostradamus also predicted that the Allies would be victorious. And, you know, just these yeah. weird <laughs> short films that aren't quite the TCM Underground shorts, but they could be. I mean, they're yeah. weird. They're as weird as anything. Yeah. Um, people loved the, they're called the Dogville shorts. Oh, with yes. the They're like these MGM shorts where they basically took dogs and made them like, uh, yeah. And oh. I mean, I, I, I don't know how how that happened it probably is a little <laughs> scary um how they got the dogs to act this, in the 1930s you never know but it's um people love those and those are weird too and like um there's yeah there's a lot of that stuff that's kind of like pushes the edge of you know daytime tcm thing to like this is actually very strange it needs to be in a <laughs> I used to live in Dogville but it got too gentrified <laughs> Damn it <laughs> Before we get to our movies um Corey you've got a film series uh, an ongoing film series in Los Angeles do you want to tell us about it Sure I am uh hosting a film series at Whammy um Analog uh Media uh, in Echo Park, right on Sunset Boulevard. Uh, I am doing uh, a summertime sleaze series of 80s beach movies, which is a specialty I know, but that's why I'm on Old Movies for Young Stoners, because movies for me started in 1980 with uh, beach, beach, sleazy beach movies, Spring Break and stuff like that. So um, I already showed Surf 2. It was a great success. Uh, and July 13th is Hard Ticket to Hawaii. And August 10th, I am very proud to say that we are showing Last Resort, starring Charles Grodin, Phil Hartman, Mario Van Peebles, and director Zane Busby is going to appear 
in person wow. to introduce it for us. Uh, if you've never seen the movie Smorgasbord, she's in it with Jerry Lewis, where she out Jerry's Jerry Lewis. Um, and you remember what Jerry Lewis said about women comedians? Well, he, she proves him wrong here. Um, she's also the real fucked up woman in Up in Smoke, and she's in Spinal Tap. Total legend. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's her. Okay, now yeah. I know. So I'm really, I'm really, I'm really excited to meet Zane Busby. So um, just go to whammyanalog.com for tickets, and it's always a good time to see these weird movies. Well, they're great to watch at home, of course, on TCM Underground. It was a whole thing. But these movies are also great to watch uh, in a room full of stoners, dweebs, weirdos. And I highly encourage it. And it's even better when I introduce them. So um, come on down. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be going to Hard Ticket. Oh, please. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm definitely going. Thank you. It's all, that one's very fun when a room oh, full I of people. Oh, I love I love a room full of people who haven't seen it. They're like, what is happening? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Once again, Corey will be showing hard ticket to Hawaii on July 13th as part of Chucky's summertime sleaze series at whammy analog media at two, five, one, four sunset Boulevard, Los Angeles. Visit whammyanalog.com for more info. That's whammy with an H. What if it bumped that control by accident? You'd be mincemeat by now. What have I told you? You don't work on equipment when the engine's running. Well, I told him not to touch anything. All right, I guess I wasn't thinking. You weren't thinking? You mean you'll work on engines and machinery and not think of your own personal safety? Here, shake hands with danger. Shake hands with danger. Need a guy who ought to know. I used to laugh at safety. Now they call me Three Finger Joe. Shake hands with danger, find it anywhere you choose. Be careless for a moment, spend a lifetime with the blues. There was an underground film scene in 1950s Los Angeles that was more than just avant-garde. It was queer and even satanic with ties to jet propulsion labs and Scientology that would fuel so many conspiracy theories if American conspiracy theories still had any basis in reality. At the center of the scene was Kenneth Anger, who infused his films with defiant out-sexuality and his obsessions with old Hollywood scandals and British occultist Aleister Crowley. His sometime collaborator, Curtis Harrington, made shorts that were as bizarre and daring as Anger's, though Harrington would become a much more mainstream filmmaker, as we'll see later in this episode. Today, we have a selection of trippy-as-fuck shorts from this devilish duo, starting with Anger's inauguration of the Pleasure Dome from 1954, and Harrington's The Wormwood Star from 1956. And if we have the time, we'll talk a little bit about Anger's Invocation of My Demon Brother from 1969 as a bonus. Millie, uh, you and Katoya Murray include the Wormwood Star in your TCM Underground book. Please tell us about it and, and the underground scene it came from. We started to go there earlier. So, you know, tell us about Curtis, director Curtis Harrington and uh, Kenneth Anger and also uh, Marjorie Cameron, the haunting presence in so many of our films on the episode today. Yeah, hopefully I can 
remember all of this. It was <laughs> a, long, a long time ago now that we wrote that book. But I, you know, Curtis Harrington, um, you know, was like a born and raised in L.A. guy. He went to film school at USC and he met Kenneth Anger there and they were making movies kind of started in the 1940s. I think when Curtis Harrington was like a film student, he was really, he was really obsessed with Joseph von Sternberg and he made, uh, he was just kind of obsessed with film and obsessed with filmmakers. And he just like, he, I think he actually wrote a book about Joseph von Sternberg, I think, but um, he was making kind of these experimental shorts um, in the kind of mid to late 1940s. And um I, you know, it was just kind of that energy of the time in LA where him and, like I said, Kenneth Anger were making short films in the uh, late 40s and 50s. But, you know, there was also this kind of like the cult, um, religious sect that had been in and around LA for, I guess it was probably um, in the 30s. And I don't know exactly when it started but it kind of involved and was surrounded by this man named jack parsons who was a um uh, an employee at the jet propulsion laboratories and he was a rocket scientist basically but uh he <laughs> basically was a part of this sort of new religious movement called thelema i think that's how you pronounce it and um it was kind of based on a lot of the like alistair crowley um work that had come out in you know the really early um 20th century so it was essentially like jack parsons creating this group of people in pasadena in a house and they were all kind of practicing this religion and it was kind of like a sex magic religion and you know he met this woman marjorie cameron through this and she was kind of like the muse of this new religion like everybody kind of like centered on her and she was i guess a like a lifelong muse to a lot of different artists and free thinkers and people who were practicing kind of alternate religions and stuff like that i know she influenced a lot of like la artists you know in the 50s and mm -hmm. 60s but she definitely influenced Curtis Harrington and Kenneth Anger, and she appeared in films uh, for, for both of them. And so when I when we were writing the book, I really wanted to write about the Wormwood Star, which is the Curtis Harrington film that she was in, which is pretty much all about her. And, um, you know, she was an artist. She was obviously kind of um, a part of this religion, but she also, you know, was, was an experimenter with, drugs and you know went out to the desert and did paintings and art and everything like that so she's just kind of this like really radical woman in a time where there were mm -hmm. not women like her around at all like she was definitely a pioneer and the short that you know the work with star is just really great it's it's so um it's experimental it's very visual and bright and it focuses a lot about her and her face which i think she has a very strong face but then uh, at, at another point she was in um the uh inauguration of the pleasure dome which is kenneth anger's film and you know again like another kind of like visually trippy like kind of amazing film too so but yeah hopefully that that i i given enough information i wasn't sure if you wanted me to like continue i yeah was there was there a uh connection with early Scientology in this group? 
There was, and you know, I did a little bit, I mean, you know how it is when you're like reading about somebody and then you just kind of like find yourself in a hole of, of, you know, books and articles and deep into the night. At one point, I, uh, Jack Parsons was sort of friends with L. Ron Hubbard. And I feel like L. Ron and his wife at the time maybe were either living in that house in Pasadena. They lived or, together. Or, they all lived together. Yes. Okay. They lived together. And um, and there was also this weird thing about his wife. Like there was kind of a, some romantic drama there, I feel like, between her and maybe Jack or some mm. other people in the house. There, there is a lo- there is a love tri- square happening there, not a triangle. There was <laughs> yes, a square. But Marjorie Marjorie was the center of it all. She was yes. the one that Elron was in love with her too. I love she this was, tea. Uh, she was the like what do they call her? The elemental woman. She was kind of like the, the... she's she's the Scarlet Woman. I mean, she's the yeah. one that that she was the one that. Jack and her were practicing a ritual called the Babylon working to birth the Antichrist. And yeah, it was, it's, I'm not, it's, it's not a joke. They really were doing that. And Crowley was like, no, she's the one. She's the one. And yeah. she was the most powerful magician in this whole circle, for sure, Marjorie. She's, yeah. she's something else, man. And her artwork, her artwork is so stunning. You know, uh, like I, I, Remember, I had this uh, L.A. Weekly article about her that had these gorgeous uh, blowups of her illustration style. Very illustrative, very like sinewy, weird, you know, um, the the line mileage on those things was pretty intense. She's still she's still not known that well, that much for her visual art. And it's because it, it was by design. It's because she had a painting in a in a gallery in L.A. And it showed a woman having ritual magic sex with an alien and it uh, got shut mm. down for obscenity. The police came in and, and she got charged for obscenity, which happened a lot. I think it happened to Kenneth. I think it happened to Curtis for their movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, she vowed never to show her, her art again. So her art wasn't shown again until the 80s at LACMA, I believe. And yeah. then people finally saw it and like, oh, my God, you know, it's very magical, this stuff. It, it's very yeah. powerful. This it's actually, stunning. this hangs above my bed. Actually, this is one of, <laughs> yeah, this is a Marjorie Cameron. And that's Amazing. why I, went, I left. Yeah, and this, you know, you know, I feel her when I, it, I, it, she protects me at night. Yeah, well, and she also, <laughs> she also destroyed a lot of her art too, which is unfortunate. But you know, it's kind of like it is what it is for artists. You know what I mean? And so I feel like that has some to do with maybe why. We just have not seen a lot of her art, you know, and the stuff that, you know, still exists. Uh, I just went to um, Cleveland and uh, visited and I got to find that the name of that museum. It's like a it's like a, a witchcraft museum in Cleveland. That was it's so cool. But I forgot. I think it's called like Buck Wilds Museum <laughs> of uh <laughs> actually probably, you should probably museum. cut this <laughs> but um i'm gonna find out the name buckland museum okay so if you want to remove that you can but it's, i don't it's i don't called... know the buck wild museum yeah <laughs> that's a whole I different kind of buck museum wild, but it's, yeah it's buckland it's the buckland museum of witchcraft magic and occult and I was talking to the curator of of the museum and and he was like, 
you know, we were talking about Marjorie Cameron and, and he said that um, he's trying to get, he, you know, there's like people who have maybe come across or found some of her art and, you know, he's trying to secure it for the museum. So I think that that kind of has, has happened too. It was like people just finding things now and, um, and maybe that, maybe that's good. Maybe we find more. I know um the, the gal art gallery owner, Jeffrey Deach befriended her and got a big chunk of her artwork before she passed away. But I think we see a lot, a lot of the destroyed art in the Wormwood star. Right? Yeah, exactly. She yeah. destroyed all of that. Curtis Harrington, after the movie, she destroyed all those paintings. Oh, so that, such a that movie is a document of that artwork. Mm -hmm. mm. He didn't understand why she did such things either, but yeah. Yeah. Felina, um, had you been exposed to these shorts before? Is this your Not first time all. seeing them? Not at all. This is my first time seeing all of them, and I love them all. I wrote so many notes for specifically inauguration of the Pleasure Dome. Um, <laughs> I had so much fun with that one. I okay. I have to. I just have to read what I wrote um, at <laughs> last night. Okay. Inauguration of the Pleasure Dome is the club. It is going to WeHo Pride, especially the twink with the bleached brows icon. <laughs> <laughs> there is not a question if this movie is stony. I feel like weed isn't strong enough. Um, I need mushrooms in all caps. Ah, <laughs> uh, badooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is the ultimate put on a record, turn off the sound party movie. This is the best. Uh, this movie needs to be playing next to a lava lamp. <laughs> <laughs> the sets, the characters, the lighting. I love the plot. I don't know her. I don't need to know her. All I need are these freaky bitches who frequent the pleasure dome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm overjoyed to have been inaugurated. <laughs> <laughs> I the first time I put it on and I hadn't seen it before and I also think that maybe a little bit of my my Catholic upbringing kept me from watching Kenneth Anger mm. movies for a while because are these movies spells you talk about that I just listened to an episode of uh, your show Billy about the exorcist where you talk about that and I think some of those <laughs> ideas may have been in my head also like th these movies can turn you gay they can make you a gay Satanist <laughs> maybe you should mm -hmm. stay away from them they're they oh, no. very Power, yeah, yeah, it's so terrible to be a gay Satanist in San Francisco. Like, <laughs> I could have just right. been talking to Kenneth Anger the whole time or Anton LaVey, but uh -huh. no, no, my my programming. But uh, the first time I watched it for for this episode, I wasn't stoned and I just couldn't process the visuals. But I don't think being stoned helped either. Like I watched it twice stoned mm. and twice, twice totally not stoned, and I'm like, I'm still left, you know, <laughs> left on a canoe without any paddles of my mind trying to process this film. I don't think you. I don't think you need to process it. All you got to do is just be present and just watch it, <laughs> and um, yeah. and then you're invited. And then you can go back anytime. <laughs> like, you just have to surrender yourself to the ritual. Yes. Ah, you know? yeah. Yes. These, these movies are definitely spells, like you said, or they're rituals. They're not spells. And they're, power, they're powerful. Inauguration of the Pleasure Dome is a very magical movie, no matter where. If I mean, the magic still comes through when you're watching it on digital on, via YouTube, which is a, such a display of power. I think... 
the magic of Kenneth Anger's movies um, vary from movie to movie. I think by the time you're at My Demon Brother, the magic is a little dimmer. And this one, I think this one's super powerful because of the heavy hitters involved, right? Anais Nin, Marjorie Cameron, that like really fey guy that plays the god. I forget his name, but he's the guy that would hold the salons where Kenneth met all these people. And I mean, he made this movie just using his grandma's uh, fabrics lying around and you know i mean this was a very very diy movie the birdcage on anais nin's head was just a birdcage they had lying around the, it, 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 so it works it's, it feels alien it feels like you're communicating with spirits it you feel the the sex magic power come through your television screen i watched mm-hmm. inauguration of the pleasure dome on uh, a blu-ray uh, the magic lantern blu-ray the magic lantern cycle blu-ray which has his nine movies that are in the magic lantern cycle and his first big movie fireworks and i highly recommend to view it on the blu-ray it is such a beautiful transfer and it has the kenneth anger commentary which i think is super invaluable um i think Mm. it's very important to watch him because he's not in a, he's not in one of his moods when he's recording this, <laughs> you know. He's right. he was he was a very temperamental man. Some would say he's a legendary asshole, <laughs> mm-hmm. and right. uh, and uh, but he's very cool and comic collected, and he he walks you through it. He's all okay. Well, now this is Pan, and uh, the God is putting the drink the 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 drug in Pan's drink and so pan is gonna have a bad trip right now and you know he walks you through it he's like and now Uh, wow and now and i and now now the goddess is uh offering this giant jewel to the jewel eater and the jewel eater is like saying no ha 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 i could i could shrink it so i could eat it you know it's like it oh oh that's what that means (laughs) and it helps it really helps it helps understand it and and but it doesn't dim the magic at all uh so yeah i highly recommend watching it Uh, i I think the anger commentary is very important is it still in print? Yeah, I think you get it. I think it's on sale right now, uh, like on, oh. on Kino Lorber or something. Half, like half off. It's usually like a $50 Blu-ray. I think it's 20 bucks right now. What was it? Oh, the first time I saw Inauguration of the Pleasure Dome, it was a cut that Kenneth Anger made, and he cut it to Electric Light Orchestra's El Dorado. So it was cool. <laughs> you didn't need to put on another record. Uh, record. It was just like yeah. it worked like perfectly. Right. It was so cool. That's my kind of one disappointment with the versions that are on YouTube and, and archive is they are cut to that opera and the opera is fine. It works. But when I hear the opera, I want the people in the movie to be singing it. I want them to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it looks like an opera. Uh It looks like the trippiest opera ever. And they're just, it's just, um, incidental music, but I'm like, I want these people to, Oh, you know, I want them to sing the opera. You know, it's, that's where my mind goes when I see it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I imagine it like this. I mean, this movie, he was inspired to make this movie after he had a masquerade or someone held a mask. Or it's that guy. Like, it's the star of the movie. Uh, his name escapes me right now. Samson DeBriar. Samson DeBriar is the guy that plays all the, go- the main gods in the movie and the jewel eater at the beginning. And he would hold these parties. First of all, I read it. You read about this guy. You, all, these, all these people in this dilemma scene are, are you could fall down wormholes into you know what i mean every single one of them this guy was just rich because he had he bought a couple rental properties in la and then he just lived off the rent and then he hold these magic parties what the hell it was a <laughs> different time right that um, was the life that's <laughs> that the way the to life. do it yeah i know but uh uh so the, he had a part a masquerade party where you're supposed to dress up as your favorite god or goddess right and this this party was very influential on on kenneth and he tried to this movie is a recreation of that party 
Um, so uh, that's cool. <laughs> also, uh, Curtis Harrington is in the movie, is in this movie, as uh, the, he's the cabinet of Dr. Caligari guy who wanders around through the scenes. The mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he is in this film. So it, it, this movie is yeah the the way it's not just referencing Crowley, it's also referencing cult films, uh, the Dante's Inferno stuff too. You know what I mean? It's so it's so cool. Oh, what I was gonna say though, the opera music. Just uh, I imagine that opera music is what they were actually listening to at these salons and these parties. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like the background music uh, to their to their crazy sex magic orgies and stuff. Yeah, that that's fine, but I still want to see them singing it. When I when I see this movie, I want I'm like this guy should be singing this whatever this part is here. Maybe Disney Plus can take these movies and add lip sync to them, you know, <laughs> at, like they do with Miyazaki, you know, they can change it up. Yeah, let's so use that, that AI software. English... <laughs> oh man. Uh... Don't make me don't make me want to use AI. Don't make me embrace AI people. Now, so, now I know Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I want to make one point, Bob. Curtis Harrington is so great in in this in this movie. He's he's he really is this otherworldly uh figure in this movie. And there's a great line during the anger commentary and he's all there's my old friend, Curtis Harrington. Many people said we were enemies. But no. I've known him f- since we were teenagers. I was just a very bitchy friend to him. That's what he says. And it's very funny. <laughs> now, we did. <laughs> we did tee up invocation of my demon brother. Uh, it doesn't yes. quite fit in with these. And I think part of the reason is, is Wormwood star and inauguration of the pleasure dome are so far ahead of their time. It's hard to believe that they were made in the mid fifties in the Eisenhower fifties. And then when you see invocation of my demon brother and it's 1968, it's like, Oh, that's very 1968. That's why I say the, ma- the magic dims a little once the hippy dippy stuff's already in, in full mainstream mode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. If anything, like anger at that point, like you know, they had thrown this kind of an- answer to Ken Kesey's acid test. That's in those movies that I forget what it was called, but it was like their occult you know, their occult Anton LaVey, Bobby Beausoleil version of that. And it just flopped. Nobody cared. You know, if anything, he was kind of behind the curve by that time. Uh, any thoughts on that, Millie? Or any any thoughts on Invocation of My Demon Brother in relation to the 50s films? I have to agree. I think the, the earlier stuff feels a lot more striking because it felt like it was truly, you know, out there. Like it's very, it's art that's just, like so provocative for that time and that like yeah as you get closer toward towards the middle late 60s it's that's everywhere i mean you're like i mean there are like studio acid films at this point so it kind of loses the loses the glimmer a little bit but yeah i mean i i i find those fascinating i mean honestly like i think the early stuff like i think um kenneth anger's early stuff and yeah curtis harrington's early experimental stuff is so cool just to know you know when it was made especially and so gay and so gay before stuff was so you know what i mean oh oh, totally totally yeah and that's that's the thing about kenneth anger for me was you know i was in i was introduced to him through hollywood babylon the book you know that he wrote and you know obviously i did not know him until uh, much later like high school you know and i was presented hollywood babylon as one of the kind of like (laughs) it was like given to 
you get it from like the coolest punk rock person at your high school and it's like here you go this is the bible the anarchist like, cookbook oh, hollywood yeah. babylon exactly 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 and you know steal this book by like abby hoffman yeah. and like this entire like collection of like transgressive literature and and so you know to me i i was kind of introduced to him as this total counterculture figure i mean he had freaking lucifer tattooed across his chest and you know to your earlier point about catholicism you know yeah he probably was the the devil <laughs> to people you know and right. when i was introduced to him i definitely thought you know he's a gay satanist he's a gay satanist who practices witchcraft and uh that is all fabulous, you know, <laughs> but at the time it was, it was a lot. It was a lot to take in when, you know, you're first getting introduced to him, but well, yeah. and I mean, sodomy wasn't legal in California till the mid seventies. So when they're do when they're this out in the mid fifties, I mean, even in Hollywood, it's, you know, anytime a cop could just set them up and, and jail them on the flimsiest yeah. excuse. So it's with tremendous risk. And then the Satanism thing on top of it, uh, the occult thing, like, I mean, all these Irish asshole cops out there, it just takes one of them to to decide to to jerk them into into jail. Yeah, I actually think, too, um, I don't know if you've seen Custom Car Commandos, the um, this the, that was sort of a, like a, a mid 60s Kenneth Anger film. It's not very long, but I think it's so it, it set the table for like so many things like, you know, I was thinking about the Catherine Bigelow film with um, Willem Dafoe that came out in the 80s. If that entire film feels like uh, like a, a full length version of that short, like, and just the idea of having, you know, men in front of cars. And it's kind of like, it's that very, now we see it as very, very queer, but at the time, you know, you're like, Oh, here's a bunch of like guys. And it's very kind of like hyper-masculine, but this playing this kind of like, I don't know, like fifties dreamy, uh, you know, uh, bubblegum music type of stuff. And, I mean, that seems very fresh to me at the time. I never saw the connection. That movie's called The Loveless. And yeah, it's, it's yeah, the so Loveless, you're right. you're so on the money pointing that out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kenneth Anger had really, really good taste. You know, leather, tattoos, <laughs> cool, like magic. I mean, we said this before, but like the, the connecting thread between these two short films is that both these men just really wanted to harness the power of this woman in their life, Marjorie Cameron. And you know what I mean? And, and, and uh, that's what the Wormwood star and inauguration of the pleasure dome both focus on her. And, yeah. and she's so striking. And um, Millie, do you think it, it, they do a good job at showing what this woman's power was? I think so. I mean, you know, it's, it, she definitely feels like an icon. If you watch these two films, I would say especially um, Wormwood Star. It's kind of amazing how, because I said she had this like very like striking face, like big eyes in in the Curtis Harrington film. She's got like this kind of lips, this like really, really red lipstick on. And she just looked in a weird way, kind of like androgynous almost you know what i mean like she had kind of like masculine she always had the bob the super short bob you know yes. and that wasn't a popular hairstyle yeah and like again when you think back to the time that this movie was made it's like you just did not 
see women like that in that way. You didn't see like women were supposed to be like demure and wives and these types of things. And it's like, she just was, was so um, extreme and amazing. Yeah. That, so I, I, you know, that shot at the end of Wormwood star where she looks at you through the camera, I, it hits you in the heart in a weird way. That's like, Oh my yeah. God, uh, this woman's so powerful, you know? Um, yeah. You know, in a day and age when we're, we're we're surrounded by Coachella and TikTok witches, it's good to know that there's these real ass witches you could see on in these old movies. <laughs> yes, that, that's that's another thing that's missing in Invocation of My Demon Brother. I mean, there's lots of dicks in the movie, but not enough chicks. So the no, yeah. <laughs> you know the the feminine energy that the earlier films have with Marjorie Cameron is totally missing in the later film. And Anton LaVey and the devil horns just doesn't, doesn't really make up for it. So that movie is significant, I think, and everyone should watch it because it's short. It's 10 minutes long. The, the, the Mick Jagger does an improvised score on a Moog uh, synthesizer yeah. that he just got that week or something, but it's <laughs> significant for the, the footage of him actually performing in in his little performance kenneth anger performing you know that that show he would do um and kenneth anger and anton levey and curtis they were all super duper actual magic ritual guys but they knew the hocus pocus showmanship of it too right and so that's that that movie's significant because they were like here's our here's our hocus pocus version of what we do also of course young teenage bobby beausoleil getting those awesome projections on him that anger made um that's uh, everyone should watch it uh, i I, I feel like i have to stick up for for an invocation of my demon brother a little bit it's it's great i of course it's not it may you know it may not be as as trailblazing as the earlier films but it kind of doesn't it feel a little bit like let me show you guys how it's done like forget about this movie with um lana turner you know taking taking lsd you know that's fine but this is like a master showing you how it's really done um there's some shots in there too where and maybe this is just you know appreciating it on a technical on a, on a technical level but there's some weird lens shit going on there that i really almost triggered a flash an acid flashback in me that was so crazy looking um and it's i don't know he just does it with like moving some weird warped glass around you know i i i i'm a fan i'm a fan too i know everyone needs it's yeah. essential it's essential uh, I, everyone yes. should watch it definitely it's back once again your favorite part of this show the tiktok report with felina franklin <laughs> uh yeah so we have tiktoks on all three of these shorts um invocation of my demon brother pleasure dome and wormwood star I'll have TikToks made about them. Invocation of My Demon Brother and Wormwood Star only have one, but the Pleasure Dome has a multitude because, I mean, this, you know, these, the, the cinematography and the, the lights and everything, uh, it just lends itself to TikTok so well, I think. Because, I mean, you only have, like, what, 15 seconds or so? And it's like, it's perfect. It's perfect. So I have a couple of, most of them are just clips from uh, the shorts. Heather Garza 2526 says, you're an interesting bird. Would love to spend some time with you. Hope all is well. I think she was trying to talk to um, 
Marjorie. Is that her name? <laughs> I think she was trying to speak to Marjorie and uh, maybe flirt a little bit. I don't know. Good for her. Um, Did Marjorie answer back, though? I mean, no, no replies. No replies to that. Okay. Invocation of my demon brother does have uh, one TikTok. It's basically um, a woman explaining uh, about uh, Mick Jagger and his involvement and uh, all of that, all of that stuff. But I, what I found really interesting was uh, the conversation in the comments. Uh, at Steve says, "Looks like some bad mojo there." Dot dot dot. This is a film. The creator replies, yep, I saw a clip of it on YouTube and didn't watch it. Not trying to mess with the devil stuff. <laughs> Steve wow. says, whoa, read on Wikipedia, one of the people has ties to Manson and Anton LaVey being in it, dot, 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 like scary stuff, but yikes. <laughs> oh yeah, Anton Lavey is so scary. So scary in his little pajama costume. <laughs> you know, this like little baby horse. Yeah, I so, know. Silly. so silly. I'm terrified. <laughs> and then someone else chimes in. I heard that. No, 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 devil stuff. <laughs> oh, see, man. see, there, there's people afraid of this shit. It's man. good that yeah. people are still. This is stuff still invokes fright, uh, ter terror in people. It's good, also because people shouldn't mess with this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like no, unless exactly. they really know what they're doing, it could really mess your head up. I've seen, I've seen yeah. many thelemites whose whose heads are broken because they met, they got too close to the gods you've, and goddesses. You've seen many thelemites. Oh man, LA out here is all OTO you, Scientologists or Jewish uh, people. No. I promise yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, all three. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and wow. then uh lastly I'm sheltered. You are. You what the <laughs> hell? You've been here. What <laughs> anyway. Um Warwood Star has one TikTok about it. It's just a clip from the movie. Um, but Pill Bill Pike says, unsettling. <laughs> you know, Wormwood Star is significant because it, it was made yeah. only three years after Jack Parsons died, Marjorie's mm. uh, husband, mm -hmm. who we, uh, the official story is he blew himself up because he was a rocket scientist for JPL uh, working on some stuff. But, you know, people say it could have been it was suicide or he, he was murdered. Who knows? But she was actually doing rituals at this time, blood rituals, where she was trying to get pregnant by his ghost and this was during the time of the filming of the Wormwood Star so keep that in mind when you watch it out there mm -hmm. people wow unsettling unsettling yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of weed was wholly inadequate to processing inauguration of the pleasure dome you know what i'm gonna start because i've talked about these before uh the heavenly sweet Cannabis infused chili lime crackers. I still have a ton of them. Uh, each one, and they stay, they somehow have stayed fresh. They don't taste like stale Cheez Its, but each one is one milligram of THC. So, oh, you know, nice. you could, it's really easy to measure these out, unlike gummies where you, you chop it in half and like it doesn't really take effect. You wonder if you took too much. I did about four of them um, because I'm a lightweight. 
on this stuff. I did about four of these, but I got to that right when I, when I watched these movies high and I just kind of queued them up and watched them and also watched part of Scorpio rising and, you know, because YouTube's just throwing them at me after a while, I was the right kind of high to be drawn into it. I wasn't so high that I'm just kind of, just kind of out of it, but I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's really cool. And Oh, let's watch another one yeah. of these, you know, that kind of mellow high it's counterintuitive. You see these movies and you think you have to be just the most high you've ever been to watch them. But I actually have to say maybe roll it off a little bit. The movies will make you feel stoned enough on their own. As Corey says, right. they have powerful magic. So, so just go for the mellow high. So four of the heavenly sweet cannabis infused chili lime crackers. And by the way, uh, John LaSavio friend of the show recently gave me more cannabis cheese. It's, it's a different brand. I will try them for a future episode. So we're just going <laughs> to review all the cannabis cheese. It's and one word of warning. They actually don't taste like eating a bag of shake. They taste pretty good. So eat, eat three, four, eight of them, whatever your uh, level is, whatever your tolerance is, but then put them away because you will just think they're real Cheez-Its and regular Cheez-Its <laughs> and eat the whole bag and put yourself in the emergency room. So, so <laughs> definitely don't keep them around after you're high. Get the, just get a box of regular Cheez-Its folks. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to counterpoint that and say, no, you should get hella stoned because uh, weed is a little shortcut to God, as Bob Marley said. You need to o op open your third eye for these movies. And or get, the devil. Uh, it's all the <laughs> devil, God. It's all the same entity, right? Sure. Um, they, uh, they, uh, so so I, I, I suggest a high THC indica uh, to really just get your mind open. I smoke something called Angelica because... Marjorie Cameron is like an angel and I wanted to get something there. And this was on sale too in my local dispensary. Angelica is a, uh, uh, you cross hell's OG with the 88 G 13 hash plant. Uh, buds grow dense and thick <laughs> offering a thick smoke. Expect flavor notes of lemon hash incense and menthol to flood your senses to a euphoric high that will blanket your mind and your body. Anger says in his documentary or in his commentary to demon brother, that you should always stay away from ecstasy. He says ecstasy is bad. MDMA is very bad. It is to be avoided. However, mm -hmm. all, everything, al he said alcohol is good, LSD is good, and weed is good. So <laughs> that, there you go. Or, you know, you can, if uh, following Corey's advice, you could still stick with the heavenly sweet uh, cannabis uh, Cheez-Its and just eat, eat a lot of them. 10 of them. Yeah. Eat 12 of them. Yeah. Eat 20. Eat, if you're feeling 20 of them. Eat 100 of them. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I'd have the whole thing. Uh, no, I, what I would want to do is I would want to get regular Cheez-Its and those and then mix them together and Ooh. have a little party. <laughs> you could spike the Cheez-It bowl at a party with these things. Yeah, I never exactly. even thought of the implications of doing that to people. But uh, Felina, Felina, are um, you ready for your, your weed recommendation finally i am um <laughs> i had london mints which is a hybrid and i felt i felt very good i felt very light i i felt very relaxed and like but still present um that's why i love a hybrid i feel like sometimes indicas can really like knock me on my ass and i just like can't think about anything like i can't read subtitles i can't do anything when i have <laughs> 
I can't do that. So I, yeah, I had a nice light London mints. Um, I always get shake because I am broke and 22 and, uh, it's just as good. Millie, I, I know that you, you're in Georgia, which according mm. to the site I read, we've had two guests in a row now that are from states that still have very, very harsh marijuana laws and Georgia is some of the worst. So I, uh, don't worry. I, I don't expect a, a weed report from you. Millie only I've... watches movies sober. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I used to live in LA up until <laughs> yeah, about a year and half. Okay. <laughs> trying to keep the cops out of here. I'm not from, well, I'm not yeah, did, door. when you were in yeah. Los Angeles, did you ever watch these movies stoned Millie? Oh, yeah. I've watched a lot of movies stoned. Um, I feel like it helps a lot to process information. So, um, and I'm like an old school smoker, though. I don't usually eat my weed. Uh, and that's just because I've had, I can't, I can't do it right. I don't get the timing right. I, uh, I'm always so like with you. jumping off the building four hours after I ate something. So I usually do like some pre-rolls and I'm pretty good with that. So yes. Nice. Okay. Greg. I I'm with Corey. I, um, vaped some granddaddy purple, uh, for the suite of Kenneth Anger and, and Curtis Harrington, uh, this triptych of, uh, films, you know, I, I have to say I got so high that I thought that invocation of my demon brother was at the same level as all the other films, that's how high I was. I was very forgiving of, uh, and just kind of let it, let it just kind of wash all over me and enjoyed the hell out of it. I, 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 this was my first time seeing the Wormwood star, by the way. And I, I, gosh, it really was powerful for me. So thanks for doing that. But I, I highly recommend getting the anger Blu-ray and watching them all because they're short and you can, you could bust them, bust them all out in a night and you see an evolution of a filmmaker. And uh, so, yeah, that's my recommendation as well. Yeah. Wormwood star is included. It has its own chapter in TCM underground 50 must see films from the world of classic cult and late night cinema by Millie DiCerco and Katoya Murray. And so that that's part of the reason we threw that in anger has just passed away. So we were, we were like, Oh, you know, we should do some anger movies, but I mean, everything is so interconnected between Wormwood star and pleasure dome and that whole yeah. scene and, and Marjorie Cameron and mm -hmm. everything else. So in the, it is the film with a chapter in this book. And, but uh, you do mention you and your co-author do mention um, the other movies in little sidebars in the chapter on Satanus, the documentary on LaVey. And mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate the amount of not just film history you weave into those chapters, but, but history, history. And mm -hmm. yeah, and I, it's, it's, that's one of the powerful things about this book is the attention you pay to all, all the details, not just the details of the filmmaking or the, the films and the film people, but the culture, the greater culture mm -hmm. around the films. So that's much appreciated. All three of these films are available on Mubi, a great video site that you should check out. And they're also on YouTube and archive.org. Although the print quality may vary on those sites. And as Corey says, just get the Blu-ray. If you're not broken 21, if you're broken 21, broken 22, watch them on YouTube. If you've got a little bit of cash, get the Blu-ray, do them right. Tide, 
with its boundless power, ties these two together in a love tainted by strange, sinister terror. The siren song of the sea. Pulsating like a bongo beat, calling, driving the sea people. You saw how she looked at me, how she spoke to me. She's one of them. She's one of the sea people, and Johnny, I'm so afraid. After directing six underground shorts in the 1940s and 50s, Curtis Harrington made the jump to the drive-in movie circuit in 1961 with this atmospheric black and white horror film. Dennis Hopper, in his first starring role, plays Johnny Drake, a sailor on leave who falls for Mora, a woman working a carny mermaid act who might just be the real thing. Several of Mora's previous boyfriends have turned up murdered, and she's the top suspect, but Johnny can't resist her siren's call. Also featuring the ever-enchanting Marjorie Cameron from two of our previous films today as the Water Witch. This is Night Tide. Uh, Millie, I believe I've seen somewhere, uh, maybe on TCM in between movies, that this is one of your favorite films. And so please tell us what you find so alluring about it. Oh, gosh, where do I start? This was like something that I had always wanted to buy for TCM. And for some reason, I don't know why it never worked out. I'll just say this. If it had aired on TCM underground, I would have written about it like first, first and foremost. But um, I, I love the idea. Well, first of all, I, it has this very like spooky ethereal quality. And then, you know, also sort of like the nautical aspects of it are really pleasing to me like the whole like creatures coming from the sea type of stuff and also just like the carnival elements too it's kind of you know everybody you know it kind of has this um sort of like noirish like carnival noirish like nightmare alley-ish adjacent type of vibe to it you know but then, you know, Dennis Hopper being so young, um, also knowing that Curtis Harrington was into the occult. Like, I mean, there's that whole scene of the um, tarot card reading. And, I, you know, I love that part. And, you know, the star of the show, Marjorie Cameron, who's in it. And she's, you know, plays a like, a, I guess she's like a kind of a sea witch or like the, the mother of the sea. I just like it's spooky. I love that. Again, it's like kind of that like Santa Monica boardwalk, but like in the 60s type of vibe, all of the nautical elements. And it's, it's as the kids say, it's a vibe. And I love it for that. So, you know, it's a great film. Uh, Corey, um, while you've definitely delved into the shorts we talked about earlier, you told me when I programmed this that you'd never seen it before. Uh, what did you I think? I've never of seen Nightside before. Uh, yeah, it was. Just, I, I just always read about it in books. Always heard about it. Uh, so this was really cool. I again, yeah, I, I really. This is right up my alley. This is what old movies for young stoners is all about. It it reads like a super low budget 
kind of even almost Ed Wood type of thing, right? But the acting is much superior to the other B movies at the time. I feel like, not that I'm very educated on them, not that I've seen that many. I'm starting to see more, though, because of the show. And I feel like just uh, the two leads are acting at an interesting level, almost lynchy kind of like the way the way the way mora acts is very kind of inhuman and, and wooden but i think that's a choice and then dennis hopper's energy manic energy really comes through the screen and just brings it to another level so i i love this movie i think it was really good the transfer i watched was pretty bad um i think there was like a different transfer on every single streaming service so i finally found one that was okay um, I would love to see this movie with a lot of pixels remastered. I think Nicholas Winding Refn did a remaster, a, a mm-hmm. restoration of it. So I'd like, I I wouldn't, I wonder where that is. I'd like to see it's it. It's on movie. It is. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like it's, 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 this movie is not just like gay coded. It's gay. Like, uh, they, you know, a lot of movies are retroactively like, you know, that's a gay coded movie, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. And the director's like, oh, okay, I guess it was. But no, this is a movie where a man asks another man in a bathhouse where he, if he could pound him. And uh, yes. that happens in this movie. Yeah, uh, Millie, you mentioned that tarot scene. And I think that is probably the best tarot scene ever put to cin- in cinema. Like, it explains right, like, it's the holy mountain in a minute 30 seconds it's like look this is this is what the tarot is this is what these cards mean and that's what that's what tarot is and 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 it's very well put and it's very articulate well i'm like wow that was awesome but i love that whole scene and marjorie cameron's gorgeous magical presence that is just like looming over the whole film uh yeah i i this is a all-time banger i really enjoyed this one you are so right it is a vibe it is such a vibe it's so fun i okay i have to admit my stoner brain i didn't i thought we were just gonna be watching the uh shorts i didn't realize so i watched this this morning um i loved it i had so much fun it was awesome i i love the i love the I don't know, sea witchness of it all. I love the witchy aspect. I love the, um, I don't know, just the alluring ocean. Um, I love that that weird guy brought the dead body into the <laughs> into the mermaid capsule thing. Uh, God, and this movie is full of freaks and it's just the best. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> Greg, had you seen it before? I, I, you know, no, I've never seen nor heard of this movie. I was very like happy. Just like wow, like uh, Curtis Han- uh, Curtis Harrington is, um, you know, very uh, much a blind spot for me. You know, like I just kind of watched it very cold. I knew nothing about it. I was really struck by just how well done it is considering, you know, I kind of get this Roger Corman vibe, you know, from the film, the technical filmmaking aspect of it. But it also feels like like Corman, uh, but with like a gothic Douglas Sirk kind of energy is kind of going on there, too. And 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 even even like or maybe a Val Luton, you know, like kind of kind of gothy, uh, you know, uh, aspect of it, and so sad, 
and so like it's almost a celebration of sadness in a in a in a in a weird way um i would also i was kind of uh like i would pick up little filmmaking cues that i actually you know found out were actually held some water you know like um i got some feelings like while he's following her i got this meshes of the afternoon vibe and come to find out when i looked at it uh this morning on wikipedia that maya darren was a mentor of uh of 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 uh of harrington i i i just i really really enjoyed this movie I thought that uh, Dennis Hopper did a great job. Everybody that's in it is really strange. I really loved that weird beatnik jazz bar, and I think that scene could have gone on a lot longer, and I would have been fine with it. Mm -hmm. That whole thing was great. The flute player, oh my God. And, And I would be remiss not to point out the stellar bongo work by Chanos uh which is in the main <laughs> credits and i'm like bongo it's like says production design bongos it's like <laughs> as as a big part of this movie that scene was just amazing um, that dance was I, definitely I, some yeah. some alistair crowley ritual shit i oh swear my to god, god you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> totally totally uh yeah so uh thank you millie i mean this was like a movie this movie is a gift and I accept it uh, uh, wholeheartedly. Love this film. Yeah, it was so good. Oh my god, sorry, my cats are fighting now on top of the cat tree. Perfect, <laughs> perfect timing, perfect timing. Yeah, no, totally. Also, a uh, very fun fact about uh, some Felina lore. I used to tell people when I was a child that I was born under the sea, and um, <laughs> so I really related, really related to Mora. Um, <laughs> That calling to the ocean. Yeah, so me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, no, this I knew awesome. you were gonna I knew you were gonna love it. Yeah. Lena. I knew that you were gonna be like, oh my god, I hope she's really a mermaid. No, I really I was hoping she was. <laughs> yeah, but me too. I know. She's Delulu. It's okay. She's Delulu. <laughs> you know, but the water witch is still there. You know, the water witch is is not so easily explained. Marjorie, of course, it's Marjorie Gamble. Yes, She's not so easily explained. Just uh, as Hopper, in IRL. Hopper sees her. Hopper sees her, and and nobody else knows who she is. It's a kind of a interesting wrinkle. Yeah, I have to say, Dennis Hopper and Linda Lawson as Mora are so beautiful. In this movie, like Dennis Hopper and his little yeah. on the town with his asses so tight, his ass, that's like the greatest male ass you'll see on film is Dennis Hopper, <laughs> youngest Hopper, and Mora is so gorgeous and yeah. stunning, and it comes through on even the bad transfer I watched. I was like, oh yeah, I'd I'd still kick it with her if she killed two dudes. I get it, um, <laughs> but I gotta say, Corey, right? <laughs> what? Get your library card. Okay, get your Canopy account because the. The the print on uh, well sign up for canopy the print I'm on gonna get it yeah pretty good I'm I, I gotta say I I kind of hated the uh when I know movies had to do this back then but the um the ending that ex- I'm gonna explain everything it was just like all right well here's it here's right. the ending yeah I, the psycho ending I, I wish right. it just had more of a mysterious what was what happened kind of ending you know what I mean yeah. I still don't quite understand what happened to 
Dennis Hopper and Mora underwater. Yeah, they Jack took underwater. him away. Like the military police took him away. Well, I don't know what happened to them underwater. For, like, what did she do to freak him oh. out? And then did she just stay down there and drown she, herself? Like, she pulled his. She pulled the the, oh. the hose. Okay, thank you. I I, so I swear I, I watched it three times. I swear I watched it three she, times. <laughs> she pulled or cut the hose, so he had to ditch the the tank to come up for air, and then he waited for her forever, and then and then and then gave up on it. I was kind of confused too because um she so she was trying to kill him but also then he was like I killed those men and No like, no she was saving him Yeah she she pulled the 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 thing to get him out of oh, there see, so oh. that I didn't okay. understand that at all. Yeah, I need my same. hand yeah. held through this whole shit. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. I was I was I wasn't too stoned. It was this morning. So So after Mora <laughs> yeah. dies and, and and Jack is that his name? He's in the he's in the mm-hmm. the um the police station, like the daughter, yeah. the daughter of the merry-go-round guy is like pouncing on him. I mean, girl, wait until the yeah. body's cold. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so She's like, we had a vibe. I got to get on this gotta, right now. Yeah. Yeah, totally. These single sailors, they don't last long. Yeah, yeah. I know. Here, do you want some coffee? <laughs> man i i didn't even think of like this should be if we were doing it all over again uh mm. this episode's a little too on the nose with the, the same filmmakers throughout but to do a you know to do an episode with on the town and this or <laughs> to do a screening of both of them get programming it whammy yeah yeah definitely i mean it's just open so, Felina, is there TikToks about Nighttide? No TikTok. Oh, there's one TikTok, but it's not really anything. So, no. Oh, let's let's just let's just leave it out. So, okay, what kind of weed got you in the vibe? Got got the right vibes for you with Nighttide, uh, Felina? Once again, I am a broke stoner, so I can afford one thing at a time, and that is. London mints. <laughs> we love Cannabotanica shake. It is. It's great. Okay, Corey. Uh-huh. I too am in a broke stoner. Uh, I'm not 22. I'm 43. But this was on sale for $20 at my dispensary. And this is by Cali Clear. It is a disposable vape. Uh, the Alien Cookies strain and i'll read you the copy for alien cookies this the intergalactic adventure to find this scar strain might be a long one however it's a quest that leads to this out of this world high alien cookies is a perfect 50 50 hybrid cannabis strain it's a calming and creative inducing and it was perfect for a chill out viewing of this total banger movie until the end um check it out curtis harrington is the man uh greg uh i just enjoyed some lemon cake it was a, it's a nice hybrid. Um, Not a strain, it, just he had a little bit of lemon cake. And- oh, no, I should I should say this is the weed that I was smoking. It was called lemon cake. It wasn't an actual lemon cake um, or an infused cake of any kind. It was just a, you know, a lemon cake uh, uh, weed vape. It, uh, it, it sustained me throughout the entire runtime of Nighttide. Okay. Uh, probably could have done something with a more nautical theme, but it was what I had. 
<laughs> that happens. That happens. I don't have a weed wreck because I watched these shorts way too many times and never got around to rewatching this high. I watched it totally. Uh, yeah, I just like I I just was mm-hmm. like, I need to figure out the inauguration of the Pleasure Dome. You should watch it stone, though, because there are a couple just masterful dream sequences. Oh, yeah. In this film, like, oh my God, the octopus. holy shit, the octopus. That's great. Yeah. Um, that was amazing. Nighttide is available on Fandor, Mubi, Prime, Crackle, Tubi, Roku, and Canopy, a free streaming service that's available through participating public libraries. Ask your librarian about Canopy. Millie, thank you so much for joining us today. It really means a lot to us. The book again is TCM Underground 50 Must See Films from the World of Classic Cult and Late Night Cinema by Millie DeCherco and Katoya Murray. And it's available at your favorite bookstore, your favorite library. Um, ask for it, order it. You can order it online from all the great global octopuses that you order books through. Um, you know, they they might own Prime. Like, you know, if you're watching it on Prime, you could just click over and order TCM Underground. Order five copies of it. Give it to all your friends for Christmas this year. This is so, an essential text to have in your house, people. I'm telling you. Do you have anything coming up? Any screenings? Are you? Do you have anything you want to talk about? And the I saw what you did podcast. What's what's coming up for Millie here? Yeah, we are chugging along on the podcast. We're having a we're having a good summer. We decided last year that we just wanted to do like so, like really really fun summer films, like in the months of summer. So all our episodes that are going to roll out, I guess, until like the end of August are going to be like trashy action. They're going to be like weird, you know, kind of like weird, fun, like genre films. And like last year we did Piranha. We're going to do like a lot of monstery type of films. And and I, yeah, so that's our summer gimmick, our summer drive in uh, gimmick on the podcast. But yeah, uh, that should be fun. And and then I'm always like on social media uh trying to avoid it sometimes but um otherwise i'm at uh millie to on twitter and uh, i'm debbie underscore country on instagram where and now i feel like i need to post more night tide on tiktok like i'm like you only one tiktok mm-hmm. on night tide do i need to start a tiktok account and make videos yeah you do you do <laughs> knowing that people are are very scared of marjorie cameron and <laughs> yeah i feel like you could do some real real fun things there so yeah the podcast uh millie's podcast is i saw what you did like this podcast it's uh double features maybe some fantastic podcast amazing podcast counterintuitive double features it's great if you're listening to us go on for an hour and a half about movies that are 70 minutes you should listen to her and danielle <laughs> henderson uh you definitely definitely subscribe to it on apple podcasts it's available i assume on spotify as well correct and and correct. amazon when you're ordering the tcm underground book on amazon you know go to your amazon music account or your audible account and and subscribe to i saw what you did 
Just go for the corporate Millie DeCherico synergy there, folks. But thank you so much. <laughs> thank, thank you, Millie. Thank you. Thanks, thank you Millie. So you blessed us. The legend has blessed us. So now uh, I know oh, we're listen. doing a good job. I am absolutely honored to be here. Thank you so much for all your kind words and your support. And this was so much fun. Come back sometime, please. Oh, I will. Definitely. Anytime. Anytime. Yay. Yeah. And if you're ever in California, come back on the show and talk about weed. when you're safe in the golden state Um, and that wraps up the tcm underground withdrawals episode and come back in just two short weeks we're actually stepping up production slightly here because we've got the barbie episode Greta Gerwig's Barbie is hitting theaters on July 21st, and we're going to get you ready for it with a pair of kooky beach party movies. First, Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello are pumped up for Muscle Beach Party from 1964, and then Frankie and Annette return in Back to the Beach from 1987. That's one of Corey's favorite films. It's not the years, folks. It's the mileage. And you can stick that in your pen and vape it right here on Old Movies for Young Stoner.